0: Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. At almost nine months postpartum and three days away from my 42nd birthday, I have more metabolic flexibility than I had pre-pregnancy in my late 30s. And today, I'm gonna share exactly what I did to optimize my metabolism to lose all of my pregnancy weight and then some in eight months without starving myself or working out like a crazy person, like I used to back in the day. See, back in my 20s and 30s, especially in my early 30s, I believed in the philosophy, no pain, no gain. If it didn't hurt, it clearly wasn't getting me results. So I spent a lot of time in the gym, surviving on caffeine, and as little food as possible to stay lean. It's no wonder I struggled with chronic fatigue and a broken metabolism. Now, I've learned a lot over the years about how to actually boost your metabolic function and how our bodies work. I've learned about how to optimize blood sugar levels, and I knew that I wanted to put this information into practice, especially as I navigated postpartum in my 40s. Now, the first step was to set an intention on how I wanted to treat my postpartum body. My intention was to be healthy and to be able to breastfeed Kingston as long as I choose, which I am still doing practically 24-7 today. I'm actually going to be breastfeeding him right after I finish this episode. Now, because Kingston was a priority, keeping myself and Kingston healthy meant eating really clean and nourishing foods for the both of us. And lastly, having energy to show up as a new mom, a wife, a CEO, content creator, podcast host, and oh my gosh, all of the many other hats that I wear daily. You know it, I know it, women wear a lot of hats. I also took into account that my metabolism is slowly changing, so optimizing it was important to me for overall longevity. Now what I didn't do, I did not put a time frame on when I would be back to my pre-pregnancy weight. I knew that by taking care of myself, my body would become more metabolically fit and healthy, and that was the goal. Now, one of the biggest principles for sustaining weight loss is becoming metabolically flexible, which means being able to switch in and out of sugar-burning and fat-burning mode. This flexibility becomes very critical as women head into menopause not only for cellular energy, but for brain function too. Now, before I jump into my journey these past eight months since giving birth to Kingston back in December, I want to take a moment and thank you just really quickly so much for being here, listening as we celebrate our 300th episode on the show next Tuesday. When I started this podcast back in the spring of 2018, I had a vision to really serve women with a show that addressed many of the health concerns that we face today with real actionable solutions because I know what it feels like to be on a tough healing journey and feel like no one has the answers or no one knows how to support. I hope that through the 300 interviews and solo episodes on this show, you have felt supported along the way with recommendations that feel doable and effective at the same time. And it's not a celebration without having a celebratory episode. So to celebrate this major milestone on the Essentially You Show, we are going to have a episode highlighting the top 10 episodes of all time on this podcast next Friday. That's going to be episode 301. Now, I have an amazing giveaway that's gonna be happening as well with a ton of prizes, well, at least some pretty sexy prizes for subscribing and reviewing this podcast. Now, I'm gonna be giving away over $500 in prizes, including a set of Apple AirPods, because I use those every single day now that I'm a mama, and my best selling supplements from my Essentially Whole store. So, you're gonna wanna mark your calendar and join me next Friday in celebrating a show dedicated to women's hormone health along with a chance to enter to win one of the prizes in my giveaway so now that i shared the amazing giveaway and celebration that we're going to be having here on the show next friday i'm excited to share with you what i've learned this year on my own metabolic journey because i want to be fully transparent I always want to be fully transparent. I will be sharing specific details, including my weight loss so that you have a very clear picture of my journey this last eight plus months. So back in March of 2020, before I got pregnant, I weighed 125 pounds. I was working out and following my detox protocol, preparing to get pregnant. I was on my detox protocol for two reasons. Number one, I've been diagnosed with hajimotos back in 2018, and I'm always working to keep it in remission. I know that food is 80% of that journey, and my detox protocol helps me to keep myself in remission. Second, my detox protocol is super delicious, healthy, and reduces inflammation throughout the body, including the reproductive system. I have found that the detox is a game changer when healing and supporting the body. Plus, I love the recipes that we use, and it's become a big part of how we basically eat and operate these days. I will share more about this later on in case you wanna learn more. We have been doing live detoxes for the last three years and I do have another one coming up in October because I love doing one in the fall. Okay, so fast forward nine months later because I did get pregnant in March and Kingston was born in December. So the week that Kingston was born, I weighed 155 pounds. I basically gained a total of 30 pounds during my pregnancy. And then on January 1st, about, I don't know, 15, 20 days is basically the start after I had Kingston. um, At the start of the year, I weighed 140 pounds and I plateaued there for a couple of months despite moving my body and, and eating healthy. It was just kind of where I was on my postpartum journey. At that point, because I felt like I got stuck at 140, I decided to implement some strategies for stabilizing blood sugar levels and boosting metabolic health, especially for women in their 40s, which I was at. At the end of May, I was 125 pounds. By the end of July, I was 120 pounds, and today I weigh 115 pounds, the exact weight on my wedding day almost seven years ago. I got married in October of 2014. In total, I've lost 25 pounds this year in almost nine months, and I want to make it clear that I didn't work harder. I just implemented bigger, healthier needle movers that I plan to share next with you. Throughout this journey, I also happened to wear a continuous glucose monitor starting in May, and I learned a lot about what foods raise my blood sugar And I really studied what works for women, especially after the age of 35, when our metabolism naturally starts to slow down due to the changes in our hormones. So here is what I did. I'm going to start from the very beginning in January, because in January is when I started to train again. After five to six weeks postpartum, I started weight training three to four times a week for 30 minutes in the morning and added one to two days of cardio, which was either walking hills in my neighborhood or getting on my Peloton for 20 minute rides. My workouts rarely went past 40 minutes, usually 30 to 35 minutes, because anything more than that would totally burn me out. And it felt like diminishing returns for me. I would say about five years ago, anything past 35 to 40 minutes just always felt like diminishing returns. Now, why weight training? Number one, It doesn't burn me out like cardio does, and there is just more bang for my buck. We know that muscle is our organ of longevity because it's a major player in supporting our metabolic health. The second reason I weight train is because when you focus on those big muscle groups like legs, back, chest, and the booty, this forces muscle to take in more glucose or glycogen, which helps to stabilize blood sugar levels and ultimately helps to stabilize your metabolism. Now, there's a cool phenomenon known as excess post-exercise oxygen consumption, where your body can take hours to recover from an intense strength training workout and return to its previous resting metabolic rate. During this time, your body is burning more calories than it normally would, even after you stopped exercising, right? So that's a big win when it comes to weight training and strength training. Now I found that weight training in the morning supported my circadian rhythms and cortisol awakening response because naturally when we wake up in the morning, our cortisol is high, literally its highest, which gave me an added energy boost, which I desperately needed in the midst of nighttime feedings, which I'm still doing today. I also worked out in the morning because cortisol, again, as I mentioned, is naturally higher in the morning so that it just simply doesn't burn us out as easy as when we work out in the evening and cortisol is on the decline. And to optimize my fat burning zone, I would get my 30-minute workout in before I broke my fast in the morning so that I would be optimizing my fat burning. I'd be like in a fat burning mode due to being in an increased thermogenic state. Then I would break my fast in the morning around 10 o'clock or so with protein, some veggies, and a little bit of fat like avocado or olive oil. That way I would continue to be in a metabolic boosting state to start my day and continue that throughout the day. Breakfast would be either leftovers from the night before or a protein smoothie with a bunch of greens, a little bit of avocado, and a handful of frozen berries. I would also do my best to take walks throughout the day to simply just de-stress. I love being out in nature. I love being out in my neighborhood. There's lots of beautiful foliage everywhere and hummingbirds. I can see the ocean. So it's just nice to be able to get out of the house and just get some fresh air. But it also gave me an added exercise boost. We live in a very, very hilly neighborhood. So walking for 10 to 15 minutes, you definitely feel it. And I did it a lot after following a meal because it made a huge difference in stabilizing my blood sugar levels. I know that to be true because I would watch it on my continuous glucose monitor. On days that I would not walk after a meal, my blood sugar levels would go higher than on days that I took a walk after my meal. And I'll talk a little bit about that. What I do recommend is if you can walk 20 to 40 minutes after a meal, especially after dinner, that's when we're more insulin resistant and you're able to stabilize blood sugar levels much quicker because again, those muscles are taking in the majority of that glucose after a meal. By walking, your muscles have to clear some of that glucose, which allows you to have more stable blood sugar levels, which allows for less insulin to get dumped into the bloodstream because as you and I both know, insulin is a fat storage hormone. So we don't want it going out of control after a meal. So the takeaway here is walk as much as you can, especially after meals or dessert, and most especially after your evening meal or evening dessert. Next, what I did is I upped my protein intake for each meal of the day to at least 25 grams per meal. Not only did protein help in muscle recovery, but also it takes more time for our bodies to digest and break down protein than fats or carbs. So you end up feeling fuller longer. Protein will also give your metabolism a boost thanks to a process called thermogenesis where your body uses 10% of its caloric intake for digestion. Because it takes longer to burn protein than carbs or fat, your body uses more energy absorbing nutrients in a high protein diet protein also blunts a big blood sugar rise. Now if you really wanna optimize blood sugar in a meal, eat the protein and fats first before the carbs and then take a walk after your meal. As an example, I'm just gonna quickly show you an example. If you're eating chicken with some avocado, a salad and a sweet potato for dinner, what you wanna do is eat the chicken and salad with avocado first, then towards the end of the meal eat the sweet potato. This is because the digestive system is really trying to break down the protein and fats, which significantly slows down the process of breaking down the carbs so that it doesn't hit the blood sugar too quickly, doesn't spike your blood sugar levels, and doesn't have an insulin spike to respond to that. The next thing I did is I adopted intermittent fasting most days of the week, but not necessarily every day. I really listened to my body, and if I woke up starving, those days I would definitely eat earlier in the morning. Now, typically I fast 14 to 16 hours a day, which is normally 7 p.m. to 10 a.m. with the exception of coffee, which thankfully does not change my morning blood sugar levels at all. Now, as I mentioned before, I am usually working out before I break my fast, so I'm working out usually at 8 o'clock in the morning, and then I end up breaking my fast around 10 a.m. in the morning, and I typically break my fast with protein, healthy fats, and veggies. Now, intermittent fasting, as I've talked about on the show and I've had interviews on the show, it's an effective strategy for reducing inflammation, lowering blood sugar levels, boosting energy and focus, and What's really, really great is when you're fasting for 13 to 16 hours every day, it also gets your body into fat burning mode and increases mitochondrial function. So I always aim for a 13 to 16 hour window, three to five times a week. Again, every week's a little bit different. Now if you want to repair your cells via cellular autophagy, basically when the cells are kind of cleaning up any debris or toxins or garbage inside of its cell walls, try a 17 or more hour fast one to two times a week. Again, as I mentioned, cellular autophagy is the act of your cells doing a major spring cleaning and getting rid of any waste that it doesn't need. When we give our cells that opportunity to clean up shop, it significantly, significantly extends our longevity. Now another thing that i learned about my metabolic health and how to optimize it was learning that i become much more insulin resistant in the evenings especially after 5 or 6 p.m which is very important to know but also it's very normal due to our circadian rhythms we are all more naturally insulin resistant at night our bodies are supposed to wind down in the evening so that we are prepared for a restful night's sleep I also noticed that the later I ate, the more blood sugar spikes I had. So I shifted dinner earlier to five or 6 p.m., no later than 7 p.m. And I try to always take a walk after dinner if I'm able to. But with a new baby, it's not always easy. But if you can, definitely take that walk right after dinner. I also cut out late night snacks and desserts because they were a guarantee to spike my blood sugar levels. I'm talking about a major spike. Like I would have a phenomenal day and then I would have a couple pieces of dark chocolate at night and it was like my whole my whole metabolic score for the day was ruined. And here, it's, there's there's definitely a time and place for chocolate. I recommend chocolate in the morning. <laughs> Because that's when your body's already in a thermogenic state. You're just more prone to burning off calories at that time. We just tend to just, it's harder for us to metabolize and burn off desserts, sugar, carbs later in the evening. We are in fat storage mode at that point. So what I learned that if I had any late night snacks or desserts, Not only would I have these big blood sugar spikes, but oftentimes I would feel sluggish in the morning the next day. And when I did decide to have that late night dessert or snack, whatever that may be, past seven o'clock, it would take me 36 to 48 hours to recover from the blood sugar spike. This is something I had no idea about, that it would take so long for my body and my metabolism to rebound from simply having ice cream and a cookie at 7.30 at night. So just something to be thinking about when it comes to having desserts, especially in the evening. Now, if you can, if you are like, I am having that dessert, it is a celebration, it's my birthday, whatever it may be, make sure that if you can take that walk after you eat the dessert or after you have that carb-driven meal, especially in the evening. As I mentioned earlier, it's gonna blunt that sugar spike. Lastly, I want to share a few tricks that really helped me to improve my metabolism over time, especially this summer, which helped me to get 10 pounds less than my pre-baby weight. These types of strategies were kind of what really helped to rev my metabolism. Taking a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar or 500 milligrams of berberine 30 minutes before a meal will help to lower blood sugar. This is especially beneficial before a meal with a lot of carbs or sugar. So if you know you're gonna have that milkshake, you're gonna go to Shake Shack or whatever it may be, be sure to take 500 milligrams of berberine, maybe some apple cider vinegar, or eat some protein before that, and or take a walk afterwards as well. Also what I learned is eating a light dinner and a heavy breakfast can not only prevent obesity and high blood sugar, but also it burns more calories. Recent research shows that a meal eaten for breakfast, regardless of the number of calories it contains, creates twice as high diet-induced thermogenesis as the same meal consumed at dinner. This is literally what I discovered by wearing my continuous glucose monitor. So if you're gonna have dessert, if you're gonna have the ice cream or the brownie or whatever it is, do it in the morning because you're twice as likely to super burn that off than you are in the evening time so now given that information i have my bigger meals at breakfast and lunch and my smaller meal of protein and veggies at dinner around 6 p.m and if you do have a late night craving because let's be honest we all do what i recommend and i'm doing it right now i actually had a craving tonight because i've been a little i've been pretty tired with all the crazy late night feedings and teething that's going on right now so i make a really yummy unsweetened vanilla almond milk or macadamia nut milk with a tea typically the tea that i do is like a turmeric tea or a decaf rooibos tea and then i add in the like a frosted frost unsweetened almond milk so that it kind of adds a creaminess to it this not only satisfies my cravings at night but also it is just warm and cozy and it feels like really great self-care. So I am drinking one right now as I finish up this episode. Also, I eat three hours or more before bed. I take magnesium glycinate before bed as well. I take 300 milligrams of magnesium glycinate in my magnesium restore supplement. And I also make sure that I am set up for relaxation before bed. And if you really want to add on a couple of other supplements, pair magnesium with GABA or taurine to reduce anxiousness and mental chatter. Now, I also make sure that I do not use electronics 30 minutes before bed because I really want to make sure that I pass out when I go to bed. I don't want any of that mental chatter. And lastly, I make sure that I love my liver. Your liver is your ticket to great sugar balance and great metabolic health. It is also a major player in fat storage. Like think of fatty liver disease and where that comes from, right? It's because your liver is taking on fat storage. And that has everything to do with insulin being poured into the bloodstream, right? Insulin is a fat storage hormone and that happens in the liver. So what I do, daily liver support includes being mindful of sugary foods Alcohol, medications, clearly I'm not drinking because I am breastfeeding, having a morning metabolic boosting routine, and making sure that you are well supplemented with powerful nutrition and supplementation. Now, I will say that my 14-day detox program was literally designed to love your liver, your gut, and to stabilize insulin levels and blood sugar levels. As I mentioned earlier, this is the same protocol that I was on when I was trying to get pregnant. And when we were running our big group, our 14-day detox group back in the spring, I happened to have my continuous glucose monitor on during the final week of that detox, and I got to watch in real time how the detox impacted my metabolism and blood sugar levels. Now throughout those seven days, my blood sugar levels were in optimal range the entire time, which was so great. It was the first time I was wearing a CGM and I was loving the stellar results that I was seeing and it was all because I was on that detox. I've also had several women over the years literally get their labs done after completing the program and they were pleased to share that their blood sugar levels were back to normal range and their hemoglobin A1C was also in the normal range as well. So when I eat close to this lifestyle, my body responds favorably and my blood sugar levels stay within optimal levels, even after a meal. My 14-day detox focuses on foods that heal your liver, your gut, and your hormones. These are clean protein sources like fish, lots of veggies, healthy fats like avocado oil and olive oil. So if you've, ev- if you've been wanting to give your liver, your gut, and metabolism a reset, you're like, I want 14 days to just kick it off. We are going to be launching our second live 14-day detox this year in October to get ready for the holidays, right? I mean, let's be honest, the holidays can get super crazy, and if we aren't metabolically ready for it, it can really blow up in our face. So I find that if you can set yourself up for success in October, you have a much greater chance at rocking the holidays with healthy habits and an optimized metabolism. So if you're interested, stay tuned for more details about open enrollment for our live detox group in the coming weeks. I'll be hosting a detox masterclass with all the details on September 23rd, which is coming up in about three weeks. And we will be kicking off another incredible group in October. Alex and I are super excited to do it with you. So is baby Kingston, although he'll be doing it with you through breastfeeding. <laughs> and we're just super excited to host these events, these beautiful groups that get bigger and bigger every single time we do it. Now, besides eating properly, loving your liver, giving yourself a little reboot, Equally important to supporting your liver is supplementing with key vitamins, antioxidants, and minerals. These all play a critical role in liver detoxification and really just allowing your liver to do the hundreds of tasks it's doing every single day. So one of my favorite supplements is my liver support supplement that we literally cannot seem to keep on the shelf, although we do happen to have it in stock right now has many of the critical vitamins like vitamin C, selenium, cofactors like lipoic acid, N-acetylcysteine, hepatic herbs like turmeric to support and heal your liver. I take it every single day. I love it. Other critical supplements for supporting your liver and blood sugar levels are magnesium, B vitamins, vitamin C, and vitamin D. Supplements to support insulin sensitivity are insoluble fiber, you can add to your smoothies, probiotics, and then chromium and berberine. As I mentioned earlier, 500 milligrams of berberine before a meal can help lower blood sugar levels and blunt the blood sugar spike. Personally, I take a multivitamin every day along with vitamin C twice a day because vitamin C is a game changer for cellular energy, immune system, reproduction. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Because it's a water-soluble vitamin, I like to take it twice a day so I can really get the extra benefit. 5,000 units of vitamin D3, a methylated B complex, omegas, my liver support blend my adrenal love blend and my hormone balance blend which is back in stock thank goodness and finally a digestive enzyme and probiotic now i carry many of these supplements in my essentially whole store and i'm excited to announce that i'm currently having a birthday sell since my birthday is about to come up in just a couple days so be sure to take advantage of all the free shipping all weekend long discounts on my favorite supplement bundles and I created a very special go-to self-care morning ritual guide with any purchase from the Essentially Whole store. It contains tons of recipes, my metabolic boosting morning routine, a sample page from my daily self-care journal so that you can start journaling and setting an intention for every single day, basically everything that you need to create an epic morning routine. I have been wanting to create this guide for a long time and it just felt so appropriate for this birthday while I'm in postpartum to finally get it out into the world and I'm excited to be able to bonus that with any purchase on the Essentially Whole store all weekend long. Now I will have the link to the birthday sale in the Essentially Whole store in the show notes for this episode, two ninety nine, dollars or you can simply go to drmarisa.com slash shop supplements, and you can go and check out the birthday cell there and get your free guide. Thank you so much for listening in to the Essentially You podcast today. This show is about providing tools to rock your hormones and feel amazing in your body. I'm so excited that I got to share my personal journey boosting my metabolism and blood sugar levels because I want to be able to translate that over to you. I know there's so many women in their 30s and 40s who are looking to optimize their metabolism and you know it's just those slight tweaks that can make all the difference. Now if there's someone in your life who needs to hear this episode today, take a moment screenshot it and shoot it their way or share on social media and If you can, in order to continue to spread word about hormone literacy, make sure to hashtag hormone literacy or hormone CEO on social. Coming up next Tuesday on episode 300, the big celebratory episode, I'm gonna be featuring and interviewing Dr. Peter Osborne. We're gonna be uncovering common myths and lies about gluten and autoimmunity. And remember, on episode 301 next Friday, We're going to be celebrating with the top 10 episodes of all time on this show and some epic giveaways. Do not miss out on next Friday, episode 301.